Hello and welcome back to Resonant Reels, the podcast where we talk about movies and TV shows in an audio inclined sense. I'm Chandler and I'm here with my buddy Adam. What's up? Yeah, we got a jam-packed episode today, so I feel like we might as well just jump into it. Of course, this episode, we'll be talking about the end of season two of Breaking Bad and its emotional roller coaster everything, because so much happens in these last three episodes. I am incredibly upset about everything. Yeah, so what are some... I initial thoughts before we like dive in so my initial thoughts are like everybody has uh and i and i started to say this before chandler and i started recording and i was like no this is i should say this on the recording everyone who's watched this show that i know of has said that like in in talking and like advocating for it has said that it's a show that doesn't drag past like where it should naturally come to a conclusion despite how many seasons there are of it Versus, you know, shows realize that they're a, a money grab and they'll just keep producing whatever they can until eventually it just becomes garbage and everybody stops watching. I'm excited for that prospect because seeing how season two ended, I'm just still sitting here like, what the fuck? And and I feel like there is certainly like enough content based around all of these now like interlocking storylines to really keep going uh for the next three seasons but i'm i'm invested i did struggle with these three episodes a little bit which i will talk about but i'm like i feel like this is the show that's like pushing my watch boundaries a little bit again like this is not something i think i would have just started myself casually but because i have this as motivation like i'm i'm very much enjoying it and like i look forward to watching the episodes to talk about them it was also the first time in a rewatch for me that like i almost had to like pause between episodes and walk away because i forgot how emotionally of a of a pitfall it kind of becomes it was a lot it was a lot it was it was interesting because I was like, I could just binge this all day. And it got to a point where it's like, I just need to go touch some grass real quick. Understand this is a story. Everything's okay. <laughs> it is a story, but it's it's events that real people deal with. You know, minus minus the, uh, you know, whole like drug kingpin thing. Uh, I'm sure some people can relate to that. Not everybody, but like the emotions and like some of the other events that go on. Definitely. All right. And to start off, episode 11, Mandala, written by George Mastras and directed by Adam Bernstein. Yeah. All right. So our teaser in this one, which is is a little different of a of a teaser i guess it's similar to the one where badger got arrested uh versus like you know the the weird kind of like uh foreshadowing ones this time we start out with one of our foot soldiers in uh the heisenberg drug ring combo and i just i think off the bat i really loved the imagery of this scene a lot it is like he's clearly standing like in a place that is not well funded and like very run down maybe not the safest area obviously and he's like 
dressed in this all white like jumpsuit kind of thing and like slip it, sipping a slurpee or some sort of soda out of a, a big gulp which is also predominantly white and he just like stands out very clearly like against his entire background and we also have this like little kid who's just like riding his bike around this neighborhood um dodging in between people like nobody's really paying him any attention whatever and then there is a car that pulls up to combo and so he's like okay they want drugs so he like walks up to them tries to offer them drugs and he uh realizes that they're kind of just like mean mugging him like they have no interest in talking to him they're kind of there to like be a threat and he flashes like the gun that he has tucked in his uh waistband they kind of just like do like a little head nod thing then drive off he just continues to stand there for a minute we're like okay that was sketchy uh but like they drove off i guess and then the car like flips a yui and just like parks across the street and they continue to stare at him so combo picks up his phone he calls skinny pete and skinny pete doesn't answer so he winds up having to leave this voicemail that's a little panicked and like hey these two guys are like staring me down like i you know i think they're trying to like make a point whatever like get down here so i can have backup then all we hear is this like gun click that happens and combo turns around and gets shot and it goes through the big gulp and through him and again he's wearing all white so there's also this imagery of just like the blood immediately soaking into his clothes from the gunshot then as the camera shifts we see that it's this little boy who has been riding his bike around the kid looks terrified but shoots another like four or five times like goes for the kill on combo didn't just like shoot once that is like the end of of our like teaser combo is in the street dead and the boy like hops on his bike and rides away and the car drives off and so clearly it was like a planned mark it's clear combo was selling in new territory off of this push from walt to expand their enterprise they clearly went into territory that's controlled by either a, a gang that was unhappy or possibly cartel-controlled territory, which it seemed more likely it might be cartel. Cartel-controlled, yeah, that's how, that's what I got at least. So we start off with a with a bang, literally, in this teaser. So our episode actually starts with. Walt and Skylar are at the doctor's office and they're talking with the doctors and surgeon guy about a lobectomy surgery, um, which basically would just remove his lung tumor. They told him like previously he wasn't a candidate for that. But now with like all of the progress and everything and the chemo working that like now this is a, a viable option. And they tell him outright that if he doesn't do this, then the cancer is just going to spread. Skylar asks, well, so, so I don't remember who actually, Walt or Skylar asks how much it's going to cost. And they say $170,000 to $200,000. Despite that, Walt agrees to do the surgery. That's because now he knows that he actually has a chance at survival. And, you know, he's got this drug job and like obviously 
$200,000 is a lot of money, but he seems not confident, but like more sure, obviously, than like somebody in his financial position without selling drugs would actually be to agree to that thing. Later, Jesse gives Walt a call and tells him that Combo died. And Walt had such a dismissive response of asking which one was he again is like the direct quote. And that was so just like shitty. Like talk about a shitty thing. Like this is the guy that like essentially works for you and you're kind of being an asshole. Um, And Jesse, uh, right? Like this was his friend. Like this wasn't some random dude. Like Combo was Jesse's friend. Jesse gets pissed and like is like, I cannot believe you really just said that to me right now and like hangs up. Skinny Pete shows up to Jesse's apartment and basically just tells Jesse that he has no street cred anymore because everybody knows now that he did not actually kill uh, Spooge. Um, that was the guy who the ATM fell on due to his uh, like girlfriend because apparently his girlfriend like confessed to doing it. Everybody has quit from underneath Jesse. They've they've lost all of their you know street sellers uh, because they have no power. They have no protection anymore because everybody knows that they're not actually these like ruthless killers. But I think we forget that like Walt fully did like create a chemical bomb that he exploded in Tuco's office. I feel like that should be enough street cred. But anyway. Well, no one knows it was him. So because like Heisenberg is still like very much a mystery character because no one can put a actual face to the name. It's just this weird, like vague person who's bald and in his like 40s. True. So they go to Saul because you better call Saul and Walt and Jesse are in that office and uh they just start bickering like an old married couple and and Saul literally is like I'm not your marriage counselor like whatever he like asks Jesse like make sure did Combo like have anything that could like point that he was one of your guys's dealers because like the cops aren't really going to care about like investigating him if he just looks like some kind of like low level drug dealer. You know, he uh, he did have the blue meth on him. So there is that as an identifier. And then Walt's just getting pissed because he's like, we have all of this meth and we have no way to distribute it. It's just like, what are we supposed to do? And Saul's like, okay, like, what do you like? How much do you have? And Jesse says 38, what? 38. And Saul says, 38 what like grams ounces and walco's pounds and he is like holy shit like you're literally sitting on a gold mine like let me help you with this and so he tells them point blank that they quote suck at peddling meth um which is very funny but then he says that he knows this guy he's like very cautious slow profile um who will buy their entire stock and he says he's similar to walt uh is like how he says he's like oh he reminds me a lot of you which i think is interesting once we actually meet this guy and so they leave saul's office we get to a scene where jesse where Jesse and Jane are in the apartment and Jesse is like obviously grieving like very heavily and clearly does not know how to process his grief. Jane is like trying to help him and ultimately he just explodes and he's like, please just leave. I'm going to smoke crystal meth right now. 
uh, and you shouldn't be here. She's like, well, actually, I, I have like a meeting. Like, why don't you come with me? And he's like, no meetings, no anything. She goes to leave, but ultimately winds up like following Jesse into his bedroom instead and like staying with him. Yeah, that's it's a rough thing to see Jesse's terrible vices and addictions seeping out and now affecting people he cares about. Like deeply cares about. He's never had to deal with that before. So it's just, it's really upsetting and sad, but it's also like, what else is he going to do? Like he, he, we know that he continues to go back to meth when he's dealing with something too traumatic because he doesn't want to deal with the emotion. So it's just like, it's frustrating. Jesse's just such a good character, such a well-crafted character. Then we've got Walt is going to this uh, fast food restaurant, Los Poyos Hermanos, uh, which translates to the Chicken Brothers. He and Jesse are supposed to meet this like business guy who's going to buy all the meth off of them. It's just Walt in there for a while. And he like has food at his table, but he's not really eating it, whatever. Jesse shows up late and he also shows up very high and like just kind of on edge he tries to ask walt like who are we meeting like what's happening and walt doesn't have those answers uh doesn't even like know the name of the guy and jesse gets pissed by that basically is like i'm out of here so he leaves and then walt stays the whole time nobody like comes to talk to them outside of like a guy who works for the store who says like how are you gentlemen doing? And he's like, good, thanks. And then it's like very dismissive and that guy walks away. And that was like the only person who talked to them the entire time. So Walt leaves very disgruntled. Meanwhile, as this is happening, we can understand due to the next scene that Skylar is at an ultrasound appointment that Walt should absolutely be at rather than being at this chicken restaurant. And he shows up late, obviously. The, the OBGYN is basically like, all right, we've, we've talked about it. Now it's time to actually make a decision. What, what, are, what are we thinking? And what we learn is that Skylar wants to have a C-section. So they are scheduling the C-section for like two weeks out because when they scheduled Walt's surgery, they scheduled that four weeks out. That way there would be like two weeks of time in between the birth of his daughter and him having this uh, surgery. So that is, uh, that's what's decided upon there. And then we go back to Jesse's apartment, which is, again, uh, visually, they do a really good job as Jesse is kind of descending into this agitated, kind of just high, everything is a terrible state. His apartment is reflecting that. There's just like garbage everywhere. Like nothing is put together. It just looks a mess. Jane is there. Jane has relapsed. She is no longer 18 months sober. And in their talking, they decide to go on like another random trip. Like they, they, they keep having these like high fugue states of like wanting to go do these like things together. But they're like never in sync about it because like, one's distracted with one thing or the other's distract. In this case, Jane is is falling back into addiction and it just wants to continue that that high of it from someone who's 
been fighting addiction for a year and a half who has fallen off the wagon. And for Jesse, he's never been sober. So like, what does he care? He's just, he just wants to like spend time with her. I think like he's interested in the, in the freedom of like a new fun quote unquote, like normal life with her. And she's chasing things that add to that, that feeling of yeah. Addiction. Then fucking pissed me off if I'm being really honest. So we're at Skylar's work where there is a birthday party for her boss, Ted, that she's had this kind of flirty back and forth with. I this was such an odd scene because all the women were super weird in the in the party. Like this one woman was having an anxiety attack about how low the candles had gotten and was like really needed Ted to blow out the candles, but he like wouldn't go fast enough. And then he turns to Skylar and is like, you know what, actually, like what I want is like do that thing from last year. And we don't know what that thing is, but we can make some assumptions because Skylar's like, no, no, like I'm. I'm pregnant now and I don't even really look like her. And I immediately is like, is this happy birthday, Mr. President? Because what I literally knew, like I knew off the jump and that is absolutely what it was, was she like turns around and she like fixes her hair and then she sings in a very sultry Marilyn Monroe uh, imitation way. Happy birthday, Mr. President to Ted and gets way too close to him for just like a normal like boss employee relationship and like what was so strange was that all of the other people there the all the other employees they were just like cheering and like it being in it like nobody was like weirded out that it literally like truly the only thing that was keeping them away from kissing distance was Skylar's pregnant stomach like that was the amount of distance that they had between them And so like that was super uncomfortable. That being said, I did uh, see this report or whatever. It was like a, it was like an internet poll that was like top 10 most hated characters in television history. And Skylar White was on there. I, I was reading a lot of comments and they were like, okay, pause. Like the fact that Skylar White is on this list is nothing outside of heavy misogyny. And I'm like, that I don't know enough about this show yet to like make that call, but I can assume she is nowhere near any of the worst like characters in a TV show. I mean, like you literally have drug dealers and like people murdering other people, and we're gonna say that like this wife who is honestly being neglected by her husband rather repeatedly and in a horrible situation all the way around is one of the worst people like no but this scene did piss me off this scene actually made me upset yeah so i don't we'll we'll discuss this more in future episodes i feel like but there was a lot of hate for skylar as a character through a lot of breaking bad after this moment i never quite understood it and like i to the point where like when I was originally pitching this idea to you like six months ago and I was diving back into like research of Breaking Bad and stuff. I came across articles discussing why there was so much criticism or hate for Skylar online when Breaking Bad initially coming out. There does seem to be this like big wave of like misogyny because everyone was like big like Walter White is the god. He's the goat. And it's like he's a criminal. 
Like, he is a terrible human being. Let's be clear. Like, Skylar is being as supportive as she can, but no one is helping her. So it's it's very weird. And I came across, I, I don't remember if, if it was an interview with Vince Gilligan or not. One of the writers or something, when talking about the character, they didn't expect that much hate to Skylar. And they were constantly backpedaling and trying to figure out how to like fix that because... Skylar was supposed to be the character that us as the audience was supposed to like, you know, feel for emotionally and connect with over Walter, but that didn't happen for whatever weird culture reason. And I get and and I get it to a degree because I mean Walter is our main character and so we spend more time with him. And so I think like inherently we are going to like it's like it's like, you know, I don't know when you have like work friends and you spend more time with one work friend, you're like, arguably you're kind of shittier than this other person, but I'm like not very close to the other person. I don't know. Interesting about that though. Whenever we get to better call Saul there, there's another lead female character in that show. And so there's a lot at the, at the forefront with Vince Gilligan, I think of making sure that character didn't get, characterized with Skylar White again, which is very interesting and just like this whole like understanding a writer's brain for such a massive universe of a show. Long story short, that scene, her singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, I got angry just because I was like, because I'm also of the perspective of like, just leave Walt, like just leave Walt and go do whatever you want with Ted. But you, you're married and he, and he doesn't have any like he's none the wiser currently. Walt calls Saul because you gotta call Saul. Starts kind of basically just bitching that uh, this guy never showed up for their meeting. And Saul's basically like, "Hey, you know, I told you he was cautious. He probably showed up and saw you and decided he didn't want to make the deal. Like, there's no deal. He said no deal. And Walt's like, call him. Like, I want to try this again. And Saul's like, I can't do that. I got, I talked to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to him. Like, I don't even have his number. He's like, with this person, you get one shot. That's it. Well, obviously that's not his uh, way. He's not going to take no for an answer. And so he goes back to the chicken place and he sits at a booth. And this time what I thought was interesting is that he actually eats the food. I felt like that was I don't know. I, I, I feel like that was intentional. I feel like it was intentional that the first time he was there, he didn't eat anything. And that when he went back, he did. We watch him kind of just looking around. The restaurant has entirely or entirely emptied out except for him. We get a realization that the guy who came to the table and asked if the two gentlemen, meaning him and Jesse, were okay. And they kind of like dismissively were like, yeah, thank you is the well at this time we know he's the manager for the restaurant and walt puts the pieces together and he walks up to him and he goes can i help you with anything and he Walt asks for a diet coke and five minutes of this guy's time and so he gets the diet coke and the manager walks over the table and sits down or well stands and and he's like what can i help you with if this is a, a complaint i can like send you to my our email chat whatever and walt's like sit down and so he sits and walt basically is like i know who you are and the manager just is like 
really feigning ignorance like doesn't doesn't actually buy in at all like acts confused but stays very stoic at the same time and uh walt keeps going finally he walt is like i know that you're a cautious guy i've been told you're very cautious i'm very cautious too and i i feel like i deserve a, a chance and this guy immediately like has a mood shift like becomes very cold like goes from this like customer service to just like no he goes on to tell walt that he is that walt is not a cautious guy at all because his business partner is a high junkie who showed up late he's not gonna like do business with somebody like that and walt basically is like i trust jesse because he does what i tell him to He's like, you don't have to worry about who I do business with because you're only doing business with me this one time and we're done. This guy basically simply like kind of takes in all the information, says that he can move the the 38 pounds of meth, that that is something that he has the capacity to do, gets up to walk away, looks at Walt and says, you can never trust a drug addict. And then Walt asks if they'll be in touch. And Gus goes back to this like customer service attitude and says that he has their numbers and that is like the end of the interaction i will say when i initially watched that scene i did definitely think that that guy who came up to the table was indeed the guy that they were looking for i feel like it was i feel like i don't know i don't know if we weren't supposed to guess it or if we were but i did i did do that i did i did guess that i i feel like i feel like it doesn't help with you watching it so late to the game because this man is played by Gene Carlo Esposito. He is like amazing right now and, and like doing so good in in all the acting. Like he's been I mean, he's he's Gideon in Star Wars The Mandalorian. He's he's been playing like this big bad character a lot. He's been you know, he's been the go-to criminal with like Mads Mickelson right now with a bunch of stuff. That's valid. That's valid. Because this is like one of his like like when he was lesser known i would say like not super well known culturally when he appeared in the show i mean he's a, he's a great actor that that just the the tonal shift of like him being able to meet walt's level when walt confronts him and everything and be even colder back it's like cool maybe walt's in over his head for once for real this time and might like be messed up if he does uh, make a wrong choice. That is how I took it. This was the first time that I felt like I actually saw somebody who had an upper hand on Walt that like wasn't, I don't know, slimy, greasy. Like this guy just kind of like emanated power, basically. But like not corrupt power, which I thought was interesting. I'm not saying he's not corrupt. I'm just saying he doesn't. It's it's a different type of vibe uh, than like these other characters yeah yeah he, he runs a restaurant right and we learn it's a chain of restaurants so like yeah. yes i mean even in the dialogue earlier when he went back to the front desk before walt asked for a diet coke refill he was talking to another employee and he was being very it was like almost snarky but it wasn't snarky it was like it was extra critical on like something very simple about cleanliness. So like there's clearly something there about his character 
about maybe a small bit of OCD or something in that vein of being very organized and clean and having a system. Yeah, clean cut. Yeah, very. So then we get back to Skylar at work and Ted, and she confronts him that she has come across a lot of financial irregularities in the uh, accounting books basically saying like dates have been altered on things. Ted tries to just like blow her off, but eventually just like comes clean about committing tax fraud for like a while. And that he has been siphoning like millions of dollars just to try to keep everybody employed and like keep the company going. Skylar's like, people go to jail for this. And she says that he, that she's not going to like turn him in or anything, but that she it will no longer work there, that she's like not going to be a part of this anymore. Then we get to Jesse's apartment. He is listening to a voicemail that Skinny Pete left him from being at Combo's funeral and talking all about Combo's funeral. Jane walks through the door with this like brown wrapped package and they go to the back room and they do heroin. So this is the part that I struggled with. I don't know why maybe something happened to me in a past life that I, you know, don't remember or something, but I struggle heavily with needles. Simultaneously, drug use. So when it comes to things like heroin, that is very hard for me to talk about slash watch slash really anything. To the point where like I will be in a car driving and if for some, which this might sound random, but it, it happened. Uh, and if some people start talking about like hard drug use, um, I will actually get like super lightheaded um, and like borderline lose consciousness. I had to pause Netflix and I had to hit my little arrow button. So it advanced every 10 seconds and could not actually watch this scene in real time, but did, you know, watch the freeze frames to know that watch them, you know, make the speedball and uh, like they both did it. I'd watched Jesse's freak out as well because he immediately just got like insanely fucked up from doing the speedball. And we got like a very interesting like everything about this uh, show is pretty much like filmed realistically, um, except this moment is something that happened very like non-realistically. And I felt like it was a good representation of Jesse being on heroin and like freaking out. So that part aside, like my my phobia or whatever it is, like also fucking heartbreaking because like it is another moment, another instance of Jesse just being destructive to everything around him and bringing down everything around him, even the things that he like doesn't want or wants to preserve. Like he tries so hard and then he just fails. And that's like his entire character arc on repeat is like he tries to do better and then he gets thrown a curveball and then he tries to do better and then he gets thrown a curveball. I just like, I think about like, you know, the time he was actually, it wasn't his joint. It was his little brother's joint. And then he got kicked out of the house and like stuff like that. And like, this is a moment of he had no skills to deal with the death of a friend, turned to drugs, tried to 
keep Jane at an arm's length because he knew that that was the path he was going to go down and dragged her right down with him. And that was incredibly depressing. He has like no other coping mechanisms because like we know from season one when he was dealing with trying to get rid of the dead body remains and everything. He he quickly turned to meth to console that the traumatic experience of almost being killed and watching Walt inadvertently kill people for their own self-preservation in the middle of the desert and dealing with that, that he had a whole paranoia trip. So like, it's not new, but like, it's, it's also really sad as, as, a, as watching this, that we see a new side of Jane. We see a drug addicted Jane, which is a totally different personality. What good acting, first of all, but like that was rough. Some fun facts about that scene specifically, not to go into any detail, understandably. The Jesse, like, getting his high, him floating up, that was actually done practically. So they, like, put him on a board and they just lifted the board up in the room with the camera kind of things that created that effect. So it's kind of, like, cool that, like, that was done more in a practical sense and not, like, a green screen kind of thing because they wanted that feeling. They also, they had a former heroin addict on set to kind of he, he did all the prepping kind of to make it look realistic for on on camera um and Aaron Paul recalls that his hands were shaking and nervous because he hadn't prepared heroin in such a long time so he was scared of like messing it up but also like probably dealing with like that trauma like I can't imagine what that feels like at all for for that person but like Man, did they capture the 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 reality of mixing up heroin and meth into a speedball to get high off of? That's cool. I'm glad they brought somebody in, though. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the one really cool thing about this show is like for how ridiculous some parts of the show does get of like crazy explosions of like a an ounce of a substance that doesn't chemically make any sense to more realistic things like they they care when it's like something like drugs in this case of of doing an accurate portrayal to i feel like fight a stigma that drug and both on both ends that like drugs are these fun things but like actually showing that like they can cause terrible things but then like also that like drugs some drugs aren't as bad as you think they are because you know marijuana is clearly nothing in comparison to meth and heroin and everything and i think like, the show shows that that like marijuana is the equal to like cigarettes kind of thing versus you know smoking meth or shooting up heroin and and the consequences of doing those harder drugs. So then we get kind of a, a funny moment, uh, which is Walt is teaching and his kids are taking an exam and a phone starts going like buzzing. And he like angrily yells at the kids. He's like, phones off, please. And then they realize that the phone buzz is coming from the ceiling. And we realize that it's Walt's drug phone. And he goes, oh, must be the pipes, gets it. And then he has a te- after class has a text message that says uh, Poyos. So he runs over there and there's a different person who's running the restaurant. And he goes, I-, I need to talk to the manager. And she goes, I am the manager. He said there was a 
other guy here, skinny, like African-American man. She goes, oh, he's the owner. So we know he's not the manager. He owns these restaurants. He owns 14, we find out, of these restaurants. And his name is Gus slash Gustavo. She goes, he can be at any one of them. He's like, can I get the phone number? She tells him that she can't like give that to him. And says the same thing that if this is for a complaint, like I can give you our online uh, form and like, which is funny. So he goes to leave. And this guy who was just kind of like in the background, like steps in front of him and gives him instructions about where to drop the meth. He said, and he says 1.2 million for all 38 pounds. Uh, but he has an hour to get it to a truck stop that was like 10 miles away. And it says, or you should never show your face in one of these restaurants ever again. He was like, I need a little more time. He was like one hour. Um, so he gets in his car and rips out of the parking lot and he calls Jesse and Jesse's obviously not answering because he's fucking like on heroin and passed out. He gets to Jesse's apartment, bangs on the doors, is not answering. He punches a hole through the front door or back door, sorry, back door and manages to get you know, his arm through and like opens it back up. He like tries to wake Jesse up. Jesse is incoherent, dumps water on him. Oh, sorry. Also didn't punch through the door. Used a flower pot, but whatever. Same concept. He broke through the back door, whatever. Dumps some like water on him. Jesse finally is able to mumble that like the meth is under the sink. Walt like punches up through the sink and finds the 38 pounds of meth, grabs it all, he stops midway because his normal phone chirps, like he gets a text message and he has a text message that says baby coming. And he like has this brief moment of like, oh my God, like excitement. And then realizes that he literally has an hour to get this stuff, less than an hour now to get this stuff to the truck stop to sell it. And that he is going to miss the birth of his daughter to go like make this drop. And he grabs his stuff and runs out the door so what's happening right before uh, Walt gets to Jesse's place is that Skyler made the decision to actually keep working for Ted, despite knowing about the tax fraud stuff. And it's while she is sitting at her desk thinking about this, that she goes into labor. So we end the episode with Walt taking his garbage brick bag of 38 pounds of meth out the front door to get to this truck stop. It's a very adrenaline inducing moment because it's just like we feel the panic with Walt this whole time because he's given these explicit instructions from this unknown person because it's an ultimatum it's like if this drop doesn't happen never come and show your face around here ever again and it's like don't fuck with these people clearly this is your one chance Walt you should have probably said no but you know you don't have the foresight that you know Jesse was going to be in a drug high or that Skylar was going to go into labor but like you know you're making these terrible choices anyway so like I can't side with you too much it literally leaves you on a cliffhanger and you're like oh I I need to watch the next episode like immediately afterwards for this one oh yeah I mean I watched all three of these back to back which maybe wasn't great for my mental health but uh <laughs> it's fine couple little trivia things um so the episode title Mandala is Sanskrit for circle. So there's this like very clear like wheel of life kind of theme in this where like the episode started with a death and it kind of ends with a birth that's coming. And it also kind of continues through next episode, which just a little sneak peek where it 
starts with a birth and ends with a death, and we will dive into that. Next episode, 12, Phoenix, which, you know, that inherently has a lot of metaphorical value. Rise from the ashes, yep. Transfer from death to life, rebirth, yeah. So this one's written by John Chabon and directed by Colin Buxey. Our uh, our teaser on this one, Walt has gotten the 38 pounds of meth to the abandoned motel into that parking lot. He calls as he's literally like unloading the stuff, like opening his trunk. He calls the, the hospital. He finds out that Skylar gave birth. He grabs the, uh, he's got the duffel bag, throws it in his, his car, and he tells um, Marie, who's the one who answers the phone, that he's staring at brake lights on the 40 uh, to give an excuse as to like why he's not there yet. He races to the hospital, finally gets there, and he holds his new daughter in Skylar's hospital room. And then it is revealed that Ted has been there the whole time. And Ted drove Skylar to the hospital. And Skylar even makes a crack about there. Was, she thought that maybe Ted was going to have to deliver her uh, himself uh, off the side of the road. And you can just tell that there's a lot of tension there. I don't know. Like, it seems like Walt knows something's kind of up. And he's like, is there anything that I can do for you? Like anything at all? And Skylar's like, I don't have my overnight bag. So he goes home to grab her overnight bag and he takes out his duffel. And it's got the, you know, 1.2 mil in it. He puts it in the walls of the garage. And that's where he just like starts laying stacks. So then we've got Jesse and Jane are passed out in bed. And there's a phone call. And Jane wakes up to the phone call. And it's her dad. She goes, hey, I was, I was in the shower. I woke up late. I'll be there in a second. Runs out of the house. And she tells Jesse as she's like, getting dressed and like getting out the front door that somebody broke into the apartment through the back door and jesse freaks the fuck out because he goes into the kitchen and finds that all his meth has been stolen because he has zero recollection of of walt being in there and waking him up or anything and then we wind up uh what jane was meeting her dad for was the support group meeting and we just have this really sad anxious image of Jane just like fiddling with her 18 month coin as this guy is sharing his story about like finally getting to a year. And he makes a comment about how all it would have taken would have been like one friend to like backslide or whatever. And you can tell that that like resonates with her a little bit. And then we get to um, they, her and her dad go to like a coffee shop after And her dad basically tries to broach the subject of like, are you dating anybody? And she is like, no. And and he's like, oh, okay. What about that guy, that Jesse guy? Like, it seemed like he was waiting for an introduction. She was like, he's just a tenant. Why would I get involved with a tenant? And like, again, she's just so different now than how she like than how she was introduced as a character it's just very like off-putting and cold and like doesn't really make eye contact and just like i don't know it's subtle differences but they were really good and and you can tell that her dad i don't know not necessarily that he's suspicious but that like he can tell that something's up not necessarily that she's like relapsed but just 
something. Yeah, there, there's like a worry that he has because, I mean, as a dad who's, I mean, we learn more later, but we you can kind of have the suspicions now that like, you know, Jane has been on this 18 months path of sobriety and he's probably seen her at a pretty rough state, but like he's still around to support her. Like we don't see her mother at all. So it feels like there has been some bridges you know, destroyed in relationships with Jane in her life. And her dad is like the one last possible thing to be supportive as family. So so you can kind of see that like there's there's worry from him of thinking worst case scenario possibly, but also trying to be hopeful because she has been on this to him, this 18 month journey of sobriety and that she is a strong woman. It was sad. It was it was just sad to like watch that scene and like know that she was probably still like residually high. So then we're at the the white residence and the phone rings and well Junior answers it, but it's just silence on the other end. So then he hangs up and then this is kind of a funny way. I actually enjoyed this. It rings again and Walt like lunges and he, he makes a joke out of it so as to not be suspicious to Walt Jr. He's like, oh, beat you to it. And like answers it. And he's like, hello, it's Jesse. So he does the whole like, you know, faking a different conversation as he does multiple times throughout this show. And Jesse tells him that like somebody broke in and stole all the meth. And he's like, please just say something, even if it's to just like yell at me. And Walt just hangs up. Walt doesn't say shit. It's a new dynamic between the relationship because we're so used to Walt going off on Jesse and Walt literally just stays silent. He doesn't say anything. He he yells at him for calling him at his home initially and then he just lets Jesse talk and then he just hangs up. And and Jesse's in this place of like I I don't know what to do but then he realizes he's got four messages on his answering machine that like he's clearly missed something. And that's how that scene ends is like there's a close up shot of the uh, of the phone uh, with the four blinking messages that that Walt had left as he was trying to get the the Jesse to pick up the phone and like make this drop. Then Hank and Murray are over and in a very funny uh, like, I don't know, circumstantial thing, Hank got Los Poyos Hermanos as the dinner. And so. It's just another reminder to Walt about everything he's been doing. While they're eating, Skylar lets everybody know that she plans to go back to work. And they're like, what? Like already? And she said, yeah, like Walt's got his um, surgery coming up. Walt Jr. even chimes in and is like, yeah, she's been saying that um, I even need to get a job. And Skylar is like, yep, everybody's hands on deck. Uh, Everybody pitches in. That was an interesting, uh, interesting thing. The baby cries in the middle of the night. So Walt gets up to like, you know, soothe soothe the baby so that Skylar doesn't have to. And he takes her around. The baby's name is Holly. Literally walks into the garage and shows her the cash behind the wall installation. This newborn 10 days old infant, but has this like very prideful moment of like, daddy did that for you. It was super weird because it seemed like maybe it was supposed to be like, a sweet thing like a like a i'm i'm provide like on his end like i'm sure in his mind he probably thought it was like 
sweet. But watching as a third party, it was like, that was strange. I didn't love that. It it felt toxic and like like you're accepting you're an evil dude now. And I don't like that. I don't I don't like how you're accepting that you can be such a terrible person and feel like you're justified. That that was not I was not vibing with that. So then we're at the next day and Jesse like storms into the school, which is crazy. And Walt is basically like, why are you here? It's just a big argument about like, Walt has no intention of giving Jesse the money because now he's on heroin and he's strung out. He is the reason that Walt had to miss Holly's birth. Basically, Walt's perspective is like, if I give you this money, you're going to kill yourself within a week because you're going to OD because now you're doing all this stuff. And Jesse's like, I'm clean. I don't do that shit. And well, it's like, great piss into this then. And uh, I'll do a drug test on you and then I'll give you the money. Jesse like kind of can't do that because he's obviously not clean. Walt makes a comment about his, uh, what is it? Junkie girlfriend. And Jesse chucks the beaker at Walt and it shatters everywhere all over the classroom and then he leaves. A lot of that was new. Like Jesse going back to the school and like, I don't know. It's 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 clear that like between Saul and Jesse now, like this other part of his identity, the Heisenberg part of his world is creeping into the Walter White part of his world. And and I feel like this school, his job is a good way of them kind of like showing that encroachment. And then, yeah, Jesse's uh, just volatile response, but also being like t- taking everything he's saying about him. But the minute Walter crosses the line about his girlfriend and Jane, that's where he snaps. And Jesse also just felt even more different than his like than the usual self we're used to. Arguably might be the the new drug addictions and the new highs and kind of just being this you know, drugged out person all the time now, which is like, it's really sad to see because it's just, he literally explodes extra magnitude that we've never seen from Jesse that like, it got scary. Like we, yeah, Walt's an asshole, but like he, he didn't like do anything too bad in comparison in this moment. So when Walt goes home, it's like all happy go lucky. And uh, Skylar tells Walt that he needs to come see what Walt Jr. has done. She basically is like, your son, like, oh my gosh. She um, takes him into his room and uh, Jr. slash Flynn slash Walt Jr. He has multiple names depending on what character is addressing him. And like reveals this website that he created, SaveWalterWhite.com. It's so that people can donate to Walt's surgery that he has to have. And... Well, Jr. has written like this beautiful paragraph about his dad, included all these family pictures and then like attached like a PayPal link. Walt is like so ashamed. Like it's very, it's like a very shameful feeling that he clearly has. He, he uses the word charity and Skylar's basically like, why are you, why do you say that? Like, that's like a dirty word. And Skylar is like, it would kill Flynn if you made him take that down. And like her perspective is like, why is this like so offensive to you? And at this point, it's because he's like, oh my God, I'm going to take money from people when I've really been selling drugs to like pay all of this off. We, we see a very selfish part of Walt, which of course, yeah, we get into more when he goes to talk to Saul about it. 
yeah about how to like deal with this money slash this like website it comes up in the conversation and so i was like well you've got your answer right there i know this hacker who can like do like break into computers all over the u.s and canada and like turn them into zombie computers and it'll just be little tiny donations from like everywhere and no one would ever have to know that you were responsible for the cash and it wouldn't come in as like one large like donor or whatever and so that's what happens which makes him feel a million times worse fun fact that website savewalterwhite.com is still up it's so good is it really i will have to actually go to it yeah you can't like click anything on it because i think it's just literally just kind of like an image file kind of now because if you click anywhere it just it transfers you to the amc website now but back when this episode originally came out for like the first year, I think, when the website was up, you could actually hit that donate page and it went to a foundation. It went to the National Cancer Coalition website where you could actually donate money to help people with cancer treatments and such. Wait, that is really cool. It no longer does that function now because uh, the National Cancer Coalition uh, is no longer a thing, sadly. I know it's Flynn, so I give him the benefit of the doubt, and it's also like 2007 in this world. But man, that was Comic Sans hell for me. I was losing my mind seeing all the Comic Sans. <laughs> yes, valid. <laughs> Meanwhile, while this is happening, Jesse and Jane are high again. We see more... Sorry, I'm trying to find my words. We see an even darker side to her now as we go through and well uh jesse is complaining that walt owes him like 480 and she says something like yeah i'd be pissed if someone owed me 500 bucks too and jesse is mumbling as he's passing out and he goes thousand and she's like oh shit and we kind of see this like 480,000 is a lot of money and we see the gears turning a little bit I, I don't know if we mentioned it earlier in the episode but like jane has kind of like confessed to jesse that she knows he's kind of like a drug dealer now and so and jesse's kind of fully opened up to her about like everything at this point because jesse is in love with jane very much so yeah so she she is fully aware of everything at this point and it was just like kind of funny the way that they handled that too because he was like, there's things you don't know about me. And she's like, that you're a drug dealer. She's like, yeah, you pay everything in cash. And I don't know, said something else. But like, it was just it was just a funny moment where it was like, yeah, she's not dumb. The next day, Jane wakes up late again to a phone call from her dad that she has missed or that she's late to a support group meeting. She's getting changed. She goes to run out the door. She's like, I'm, I'm heading out right now. And as she goes out Jesse's front door, her dad is standing outside and he just looks miserable. Like not even angry necessarily at that point yet, just sad. And he barges in, goes through the house and then like is looking around, sees just kind of like the mess and then gets to the bedroom and sees the heroin and the heroin needles and everything. And Jesse passed out and starts like attacking Jesse and like throwing him around the room. And then Jesse grabs a baseball bat to try to like defend himself. 
her dad's trying to like get her to go to rehab like right now. And she's like, I, I can't. And he's like, fine, I'm calling the police because he owns that property. So he calls the police and starts filing like a continual drug use on his premises, like call, whatever, saying that, you know, then maybe like a night in jail will sober him up or sober her up. Jane, you can clearly see just plays on the emotion of her dad. And she goes in and she's like, okay, okay, like I'll go to rehab. It's just last time my houseplants died while you were, while I was there and, and you let, or she said like you let my houseplants die or something like that. And she was like, so like, let me just like take care of things and find people and like, we'll go, like I'll go tomorrow. He hangs up his phone call with the police and says, okay and leaves and that was such a heartbreaking moment because that was such a classic like someone who is very clearly an an addict like playing upon the strings that they know they need to in order to like get the things that they want then as soon as he leaves like Jane and Jesse have this like high idea of like they're going to threaten Walt to get that money so that they can like go wherever they want to go and they land on like New Zealand uh because that's where they filmed Lord of the Rings so she she calls and now that Jane knows everything she calls Walt and who answers the phone instead is Skylar Jane pretends to be a former student asking for a letter of recommendation Walt walks into the kitchen Skylar hands the phone to him and he realizes like who she is on the other line and all this stuff like basically threatens she threatens to blackmail him and he's like yeah okay like we'll see like doesn't necessarily give a, a clear like yes or no but just like you know whatever so jesse and jane start contemplating whether he's actually going to make the drop or not and jesse clearly starts having feelings of like anxiety about it because he does still feel like a loyalty to to walt and now he's like been involved in putting Walt in this position, but obviously, like he wants his money, and so Skyler uh, sends Walt out for diapers because they're out of diapers, and so Walt takes this as the opportunity to fill the duffel with the cash that belongs to Jesse and bring it over there. Jane answers the door, tries to grab the bag, and Walt's like, "Nope, only Jesse." Jesse goes to grab the bag, and he's like. Uh, how do I know she won't say anything? And he's like, you're never going to hear from either of us again. And Walt's like, because uh, oh, because Walt also says, nice wearing the pants, like pretty much like yelling it at Jesse. Basically, he, Jesse like slams the door in his Walt's face and they open the bag and they're just like astonished with the amount of money that's actually in the bag. And they talk about getting clean. Like uh, Jane literally says like, we need, if we're going to start a new life in New Zealand, we have to get clean. So let's just like get high tonight. And then like we start everything tomorrow and they go into the bedroom and they get high and they pass out. So then we've got Walt after just making this drop and clearly being uh, disgruntled, go to the bar. And this was a such an interesting crossover moment. So he's on the phone with Skylar telling her that he's been to like three different stores. He can't find the diapers and, oh, okay, I'll go to another store while he's sitting at this bar, like could just ordered a, 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 a beer, whatever. And this guy goes, um, says something about like, 
nicely handled or something. And it's Jane's dad. And they start talking about kids and how Walt just had a daughter and how Jane's dad obviously has a has a daughter, turns 27 in a month. Walt keeps referring to Jesse as this nephew who's in trouble and like relating to Jane's dad about like kids who won't listen and like knowing what's best. Her dad says the the statement, you can never let them go. Say like he t- he takes that like really seriously. And so Walt goes back to Jesse's apartment to try to like talk to him and knocks on the front door. Nobody's there. He goes around the back and he can peer in and see that they're like passed out in bed. He he goes in uh, because the door is still fucked up and he sees all the heroin needles and he gets really sad and he tries to wake up Jesse. And in doing so, Jane like winds up on her back. She starts vomiting and therefore choking on her own vomit from the amount of heroin that she has done. It was so fucked up. And Walt initially goes to like turn her back onto her side, takes a moment and then chooses to not do so. And he watches with Jesse still passed out as Jane chokes and dies on her own vomit. And then Walt has this moment of just utter sadness and he cries. He actually like sheds a tear, uh, which I was like, well, that's the least you can do because you just let this girl die. And he doesn't even know that he was just talking to her dad at the bar. And that's crazy. He kind of like tightens up again because he realizes now that also Jane was the one blackmailing him and the one who was essentially like ripping Jesse away as his partner. And now she was gone. So therefore, there was not like a a block in his path anymore. And that was like a very like Walt into Heisenberg shift that happened at the end right there. Um, I definitely cried. I was really upset. I knew I knew in my heart of hearts that something like this was going to happen because it was too good to be true. And nothing ever surrounding Jesse works out. And I knew that they weren't just going to like take her away in a kind way. I knew that they were going to be mean to me and they were, and I was very, very sad. When Walt was going back to Jesse's apartment from the bar, I started tearing up again, knowing I was going to be like, this is going to be another emotional roller coaster of this scene again for me, even rewatching it. And it was, yeah, it was, it was tears this whole time. And it's just, it's so, it's so hard. And that these two episodes just continues the notion that like, people who know Heisenberg's identity of Walter White die, whether it's by, by, I mean, arguably they've all been by his hands, whether directly or indirectly, you know, cause like combo died because Walt pushed him to expand a new territory that was, you know, arguably unsafe when they didn't have, they don't have a gang struck hierarchy structure. Like they don't have, people for protection and and now jane's died arguably from murder like arguably walt murdered jane he he was he was someone who could help save her life but chose to let her die and watch her die and it's just it's that scene like as jane is is gasping trying to breathe her final breaths we see her eyes open like she sees Walt. At the very end, like in her literal like last second of life. And it's just, it's it's insane. 
how 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 evil like how dark Walt is now becoming because he 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 cares about self-preservation because like leading up to this like even from like the blackmail phone call with Jane we were seeing glimpses of Walt like caring about Jesse Walt cares about Jesse and like I'm very conflicted rewatching it because part of me is like is this purely for self-preservation because you've been using Jesse as a pawn for yourself? Or do you see him as like another son to you? And it's like, it, it gets harder and harder to tell. Like the line keeps being blurred. Uh, because like, I, I'm trying to think back when like, I initially watched this show of like how much, like what I felt about the characters. And I think I kind of believe that like Walt cared about Jesse more than like, I now think Walt cares about Jesse. Cause it's really hard to tell because he's, he's kind of a monster. It was when he hung up on Jesse freaking out about the meth being stolen for me, where I was like, damn, that was cold. Yeah. I mean, so uh, in the original script for Jane's death scene, Walt was actually going to give Jane a second dose of heroin and have her OD. Like, that was the original script, so it was even darker Walt, and they chose against that, which is very, very interesting choices for storytelling, because that, like, that would have been, like, immediately darker Walt, and, like, things are just going to get worse. And so I'm curious, the choice of now being, like, a, a bystander I, th- I think it's intentional. I think it's very intentional. And like, I applaud the writing and the, I, and the storytelling in this because it, it makes you as an audience member so conflicted because it's just like, you can convince yourself that Walt didn't do it on purpose, but then it's really hard to keep that conviction when like he, he stood there for an extended period of time and watched her choke to death. I did find uh Brian Cranston, did say that uh, the scene affected him as a father because he imagined his own daughter in Jane's position, which is crazy to like do that. So like props to him with the, with like the acting chops and like feeling the emotional depths through all of that. Yeah. He says it's though it's one of the most difficult things he's ever had to film. It is one of his favorite scenes of the whole series. Brian Cranston just does such a good job of creating so much like emotional depth to like love and hate this character so much. It's phenomenal. It's incredible. And like Aaron Paul is doing great and like being able to see a character fall so hard into addiction that like when given the vices will choose to fall on them instead of trying to healthily deal with trauma or anything. Oh, I mean, like, throughout this episode, even, it's it's hinted about how Jane is going to die, because, like, with, with Holly, like, at one point, he's putting Holly in the crib, and, like, Marie's there with Walt, and Marie's, like, panicking, like, don't put her on her tummy and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, I'm not, and I'm not going to put her on her back, and we put her on her side, and we're going to roll up this towel and support her and everything. Oh, shit. I didn't even catch that. Very subtle foreshadowing, and it's really, like... It's definitely, like, a second watch, you see the signs of it, because, like, even earlier when Jane's teaching Jesse how to 
you know, cook heroin for himself to shoot up. She she talks about like lay on your side, don't lay on your back in case you throw up because you would choke if you were laying on your back, Jesse. And it's just like it's all these like little things here, and it's just such clever storytelling. But it's just like so so devastating and tragic in the end. A, a thing I I read which is really cool correlation here. Jane's convulsions is is kind of mirrors the the convulsions of Nodos right before he died back in season one when Tuco killed Nodos the the his body kind of like freaking out. Damn, yeah, those convulsions were uh, those were rough. I mean, that's just that's two rough episodes like back to back of just so much emotion and adrenaline. But then we have our season finale. Uh, titled ABQ, uh, and this one's written by Vince Gilligan and directed by Adam Bernstein. So this one, we're getting our foreshadowing moment again as our teaser, and we have this little hot pink bear again that winds up in the pool, and we've got the the bodies in the driveway and the guys in the hazmat suit, and this time as we like really pull away, we've got like smoking parts or like stacks of like black smoke coming from behind Walt's house it is it is again there's no dialogue it's just music and and orchestration over this entire uh little scene here and we still don't really have an idea of what is going on we do find out in this episode at the very end which I'll get to and there was not a single thing that could have possibly prepared me for what the fuck this was. That was insane. We have Jesse starting off the, the actual bulk of the episode in the apartment, um, trying to bring Jane back to life. He's doing CPR. She's obviously been dead for hours and hours and hours. Like there's no, there's no bringing her, her back. We see Walt's side of, of this after and that Jesse called Walt, like panicking about what to do. Obviously, he has no idea that Walt was there or anything. And Walt is being like very calm. He's kind of like, I don't know. He's, 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 tr- he's not necessarily pretending to be surprised in like a big, oh my God, are you, are you okay? Like what's happening? Wait, but just as like trying to be the source of like, I've got you. I will help you handle this. It's, everything's going to be okay. And he's like, I know who to call. They call Saul. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we, we don't actually get uh, Saul there. We get a guy named Mike who rolls up to Jesse's um, apartment. And he was sent by Saul. He gathers up all of Jesse's drug stuff, all of the cash, basically like does an evidence clearing of the apartment. And then smacks the shit out of Jesse because Jesse like cannot get it together. He's in shock and still a little high and like not doing well because he's trying to get Jesse ha- uh, like coached on how to talk to like the police, the medical um, investigators, like all of this stuff. And he's like, this should go without saying, but like I was never here. Finally, Jesse is able to like come to and, and basically they just have him like keep repeating this phrase of like, I woke up and and found her like this. I have no idea what happened. Then we, in the direct contrast at Walt's house, 
Skyler and Walt Jr. all of a sudden realize that donations are coming in and they've raised 400 something dollars on PayPal through SaveWalterWhite.com. Have no idea that it's this like laundered money that is coming through due to the Russian hacker that Saul was able to put them in connection with. Walt is like not nearly as excited as one would expect him to be. It is, I don't know, it's it's hard because it's like we know why Walt uh, isn't happy, but obviously like Skylar doesn't. And so she's getting all pissed off because she's like, look what your son has done for you. Like, don't you think that like a thank you is in order? And so Walt has to like kind of turn it on and like hug Flynn and like says like, oh, thank you so much. But meanwhile, he is like, this is like weighing on him. Like this is one of the things that has like affected him the most. It seems like out of like all of the stuff that he's dealt with. This is like very clearly something that is like getting to him. Uh, Right after that, we get Jane's dad in the car leaving her a voicemail saying that he basically kind of being an asshole and being like, why am I not surprised that you didn't answer? I expect you to be on the doorstep bags packed. I'm going to be there in just a few seconds. And then he rounds the corner in his car and he sees like the medical investigators bringing a gurney off the the truck and going into Jesse's apartment. He walks in and he's watching as the medical team is zipping up Jane's body into the body bag. Uh, There's like a medical investigator talking to uh, Jesse in the living room. And he repeats the phrase that Mike taught him that he woke up, found her like that. He has no idea what happened. Then it immediately turns to the medical investigator starting to ask, Jane's dad questions because she needs like a date of birth, like where her mom is, like stuff like that. And she asks uh, him to come, the medical investigator asks him to come down to the station and says, will you both be coming? And Jesse stays and like just her dad walks out and like he can't even make eye contact. Like he's just, he just immediately knew what happened from the moment he saw the ambulance outside and walks in. That actor did a, a really phenomenal job in just the shell-shocked, but also just like the knowing, like literally driving up and just knowing was so clear on his face. Uh, Donald's played by John DeLancey, and he's known from like Star Trek The Next Generation and stuff as well. So he's familiar like looking if you're a Trekkie. I, that just like really fucked me up. That It was that scene. Like, honestly, I think even maybe more than, um, I think maybe more than actually watching Jane die, her Donald's, her dad's response to seeing it was a lot harder for me than, than that. As he walks out, something else that was difficult was Donald sees the drawing that Jane did of Apology Girl and takes it as he walked out the door and didn't even, not, didn't even glance it at, at Jesse, who obviously is feeling beyond uh beyond guilty rightfully so honestly like i love jesse as a character but like i don't know jesse jesse fucked up and and the the attention and and grief in that moment really does belong to uh belong to donald in my in my humble opinion so after that we cut to we're in the dea office with hank and his uh, schmucky dialogue that he always has 
and he talks about getting donations for Walt's surgery fund. And he says first prize is a six pack of his homebrewed beer, which I thought was very funny. But then Gomez replies, uh, loser gets two packs of the beer, which is like just great joking. Right after that, uh, they start talking about Combo's murder. And Hank is like, oh, so, you know, how do we get a... a uh, quote, dipshit, dipshit wannabe banger with no street rep um, getting professional grade meth. Uh, that meth had like disappeared from New Mexico, but it's popped up like other places in the Southwest. And Gomez is still like kind of sure that that guy that they sent to jail um, who like wanted to go back to jail uh, was Heisenberg. But Hank really maintains that Heisenberg is still very much around, is most likely in albuquerque uh still and at this point just quote doesn't want to shit where he sleeps so hank is hank's an asshole but hank is the only one who actually has any idea about what he's uh talking about right now then we have walter and and sorry uh walter jr flynn and skyler keep like watching the donation counter tick in with all of these donations that are just Walt's money coming in from different computers. Jesse has gone missing and Walt calls Saul uh, to figure out where Jesse is and gets linked up with Mike. And Mike takes him to this, I don't know, just like run down drug house, basically. He finds Jesse there and wakes him like, it's called the shooting gallery is the trap house. And Mike's like, hey, you probably shouldn't go in there because like it's being watched all the time. And Walt doesn't give a shit and walks in and finds Jesse and Jesse starts sobbing. He's high, he's passed out, but like wakes up enough to start sobbing into Walt saying that he killed Jane and that he loved her so much and that he killed her. We see Walt have just like a really rough moment realizing that jesse is in pain literally because he believes that this is his fault then we get donald is in jane's apartment um he's going through through the closet and he's clearly like on the phone with jane's mom which is the first time that we even really have of jane's mom and we get a little bit more clarity about what that even looks like because she has told him to like try to find a yellow dress and there's nothing but like black and gray scale clothes in the closet. And he even says like, when was the last time you even saw her? He was like, there's no yellow dress here. She did have like a blue dress in the closet. And so he pulls it out and he is like, no, it's a nice like blue dress. He even makes a comment about there being like long sleeves, which the implication there is that you won't see the track marks on her arm with the long sleeves it kind of just like lays it out on the bed as they continue talking about it again junior just like keeps watching these like things these these, this money come in and now they're at like a thousand something dollars and walt gets mad at him because he keeps just hearing the ding of the donations coming in and he's like can you turn the computer down and tries to play it off that it's like disturbing the, the baby flynn is basically like but it's money like hello and (laughs) like why are we not excited about that it's so 15 years ago to like because like i can understand it but like in today like i would not 
like sit around and watch a money counter like that. But like 15 years ago, oh, I no. could totally see myself doing that yeah, because it's just such absolutely. a unique thing. But like nowadays, nah, nah, because like it's a dime a dozen. And so then we find out that Skylar announces to the family, um, Marie, good old Marie, has an interview set up with Flynn about the website and the success that it's having and everything. Then what was supposed to just be like an interview for a website turns into Walt getting home and a whole news station is in the family room to film a segment. Walt is like, I thought this was just going to be an interview. And what I thought was very interesting now is now Walt's face is on the news, which is a lot. Flynn goes into this great speech on camera about how his dad is his hero. Like we just get as Flynn's talking in the background, we get the camera starting to just shift only on Walt and like zoom in as he's having this realization of like all of the things that Flynn is saying to him or saying about him. He has this whole other life where he is not a good guy, where he is not decent, where he should absolutely not be Flynn's hero. That scene kind of ends. And then we get an interesting moment that back at the DEA office, there's this guy like Hank's boss introduces Hank to a group of local businessmen who are going to donate to the department uh, for like an upcoming event. And so Hank starts giving like a spiel about like, taking like that they're, you know, number one, whatever is like meth takedowns and that's their donations that count for them and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, one of these local businessmen, lo and behold, is Gus, our El Pollo or Pollo Sermanos uh, meth uh, kingpin. Uh, after that spiel and everything, Gus like hangs back for a second. He sees the donation jar that is for Walt's surgery with a giant picture of Walt sitting on the desk. And he says like, oh, is this one of your your guys that you work with? And Hank's like, no, that's my that's my brother-in-law. You know, he's got cancer. And Gus is like, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. And he's like, what, like, what's, you know, what kind? He's like, oh, like, or for his surgery. And then he's like, oh, like, what's wrong? And, and Hank says, like, he's got lung cancer. And Gus slips a donation into the jar and then like walks away. Fascinating. But also most likely not good news for Gus because as we've established, uh, everybody who knows Walt's true identity dies. Uh, so this is either going to be a crazy plot point or something. So we'll find out. I like Gus. I'm excited to see where this character goes. I'm very interested in Gus. I feel like he's that like clean cut, really fucking sadistic guy type character, but we'll see if I'm I'm right on that. Meanwhile, Walt has taken Jesse to <laughs> this super high-end rehab place. And like Jesse's in like a lime green robe and matching slippers. And like there's a giant, it's like a giant wooden dome sauna pool thing in front of them. Like it looks a lot more like a spa resort multi-million dollar vacation than it does a rehab center, which I guess is a is a good thing. Jesse is just quiet the whole time that Walt is talking to him. Finally, like the last thing he really says is that what you said in the desert, I get it now. What you meant, I deserve whatever happens. And that was just heartbreaking. It shows us where he is mentally. Like he is just depressed beyond belief. 
he is like ridden with guilt that he he necess- shouldn't necessarily have that much of of like he's feeling guilty about some of the right things and some things that are actually like very much not his fault like he did not kill jane he definitely made jane relapse and may have contributed to her death but like walt murdered jane like that's what happened and then the next thing we know walt's getting prepped for surgery in the hospital this is where shit hits a fan in a different way Skylar asks Walt where his cell phone is, and Walt got fed a bunch of IV drugs, and Walt says, which one? And Skylar's entire fucking demeanor changes because everything has now fallen into place. The, the, the lie that he told that he had went back on has now been, in her mind, confirmed, and Walt gets taken back for surgery. Then we have our little like epilogue uh, moment, which is... Um, our new look for Walt with his uh, like goatee facial hair moment, which I love. This is I feel like when I have seen pictures of Breaking Bad, this is the this is the image that I typically see for for Walter White. And they are back in the doctor's office that they were in uh, at the top of our eleventh episode. Um, that so the top of our first episode we talked about today. He got told that his operation was a success and. We can just tell that Skylar is distant and despondent and really putting on a, a, a face, but not, not pretending about anything. Like she's just being very careful about her word choice and her actions so much so that, you know, she asks, is he okay to be alone now? Like, you know, can he be, can he do things on his own? He doesn't have to be like watched and Walt kind of cracks a joke. He's like, yeah, I don't need two babies around the house. Ha ha. And the doctor basically is like, yeah, he's, he's good to be by himself. So when they get home, Skylar starts packing and tells Walt that her and the new baby and Flynn are going to go stay with Hank and Marie. He has two days to pack his shit and get out. He is obviously very confused, has no idea what's going on. In his mind, everything is fine. He's always covered his bases. Skylar reveals to him about the slip up he had when he was like drugged up in the hospital about the second cell phone thing and how it led to her unraveling all of the other lies that he had ever told her. She thought he was having an affair with Gretchen of Gretchen and Elliot, led her to getting in contact with Gretchen to find out that Gretchen and Elliot didn't pay for any of his cancer treatment, that he uh, faked that fugue state after going missing that uh, he never went and visited his mother. So she was like, so where were you when I dropped you off at the airport for four days? That his mother didn't even know he had cancer. And as this is happening, she's literally packing over stuff. She like gets into the car and Walt is following her. And he's like, if I tell you the truth, like, will you stay? And she says, whatever it is, I'm afraid to know. And then she closes the door and drives off. Everything finally came to a head. Like it was a big dramatic monologue of her revealing everything she found out while he was in surgery and recovering from surgery, basically. Then we get the scene of Donald, Jane's dad. And he has returned to work for the first time since Jane's death. And he's an air traffic controller. And so he's like shouting out, not shouting out, but he's got his headset on. He's giving a bunch of uh, commands and things, whatever. He has a a charter plane jm21 
as Jane Mike 2-1 instead of Juliet Mike 2-1 due to just the way you, you like it's like E for Echo, T for Tango, you know, J is supposed to be Juliet. And he says Jane Mike 2-1. And he he says uh, uh, Juliet Mike 2-1 disregard. And you can tell that saying Jane's name, he just got hit with grief and he starts sweating really bad. And he seems to be like slowly out of it. But he keeps talking and keeps trying to like, you know, give his commands and everything. Um, and he's trying to correct his error, but he can't. And then we zoom in on the radar screen and it shows that um, there is a commercial airplane that has now reached the danger zone with JM-21 uh, and that they are on a collision course and that they are going to to hit. Walt is sitting in his backyard at the pool and there is an explosion overhead and he watches as the two planes that Jane's dad accidentally caused to crash into each other crash into each other that is where our smoke and our fire comes from and debris starts falling from the planes and a bright pink teddy bear falls into the swimming pool it's half burnt And what I think is really interesting is that throughout this whole last moment with Walt, he is in a sweater. And I think everything in this show is very particular. So I feel like this is important. Walt is in a hot pink sweater that matches the color of the teddy bear throughout this whole last bit of the doctor's office and Skylar saying she's leaving and all of that. And so he watches as it falls in the pool and all of that. And um, we go from this very like bright, vibrant, scene of an explosion in these hot pinks to a black and white moment. Um, And it is the kind of like resolution of all of those um, foreshadowed teasers that we got throughout the season. And, and the, the teddy bear sinks to the bottom of the pool. And so we literally ended season two with a plane crash. You could not have paid me to guess that season two ended with a plane crash caused by a guy whose daughter was murdered by Walter White because she was high on heroin and literally this was crazy I literally I I was watching this by myself on my laptop and I literally said oh my god like out loud I was so taken aback even as I watched the planes crash it still didn't necessarily hit that like that no pun intended eek uh that that's what was uh gonna be like what everything was and then i was like oh my god the teddy bear comes from the plane which is even sadder because obviously that teddy bear came from a child and so now it's a it's just another another person has lost a child because somebody who lost a child was grieving it is such a crazy twist that like you 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 truly only see coming in the last bit of this episode you know, you like you you can't predict it. No, it's as he's giving that the radio calls that you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, because you can just see him getting more and more worked up. Yeah, that pink teddy bear floating and like slowly sinking to the bottom of the swimming pool. It's just there. There's so much visual storytelling of just imagery that like gets gets glances at through scenes like uh. When when Donald was going through Jane's apartment and trying to find the uh, address, there, Jane had this beautiful mural 
on one of her walls and it was of this girl floating and it kind of like flo- like floating falling like through through the sky or something and it's very like reminiscent of like Jane but then also it's just who knew that was also a foreshadowing of things falling from the sky tragically it's it just it's so beautifully crafted and it's so it pulls on so many emotional heartstrings it's insane too many too many i don't know how much you would have pieced it together so so we've had four episodes this season with that like black and white kind of type teasers foreshadowing this plane crash the titles of those episodes when you string them together, read 737 down over ABQ. My mouth is agape right now for those who are listening. My jaw just dropped. It's it's so clever because this is like, this definitely like harkens back to the days where like episode titles and descriptions kind of like meant something for TV and everything. So it's like, it's so cool having like another show be clever enough to like give hints to its audience, knowing that episode titles will be released ahead of time before an episode premieres, help you like be your own detectives and everything. It's, it's so cool. That is super cool. I did not piece it together at all. Part of it because I wasn't looking anything up. So I always just let you take the, uh, take the title descriptions and everything. So Dang. I mean, there's, I mean, we can, we can talk, I feel like even more on these last three episodes, but I mean, this is also just a doozy of an episode already of us chatting about these three episodes. I mean, I know what's going to happen next, so I can't, I'm curious, I'm curious of like, if you have any suspicions, what you're curious about of the future of, of Breaking Bad. I don't even know. I feel like there's absolutely a plot point here that is going to have to do with Gus because his whole thing was that Walt was not a cautious guy, but he did business with him anyway. And now he has learned that he has a brother-in-law in the DEA. And now he's done this local news thing because his son has set up this like funding online paypal moment and i'm sure gus can probably piece together that uh that walt's money might be be being laundered so i i feel like that is certainly something that's gonna that's gonna pop up i i'm kind of like just down for the ride honestly because at this point he has the money they have no like organization of of selling anymore skylar has left i feel like there is something something has to happen that's going to pull Walt back in because there it's always, this is, I mean, it's, it's the trope of this entire show is like the one last job, but it's like every few episodes is the one last job. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going to happen there. I hope we see a, a Jesse who gets his shit together. I don't know if we will. I really want to. So I mean, yeah, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of breaking bad. Don't worry, there'll be more. In the new year, we'll get more Breaking Bad. But till then, we are definitely in the midst of December and we haven't really done any Christmassy holiday movies. And so it's time, especially after being emotionally drained again. Why do we do this to ourselves? I feel like we just go through these cycles. We go back and forth a little too much. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's healthy, maybe. Who knows? Maybe it's not healthy. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I was like, let's get some classic holiday films, you know, like classics to us and everything. So these are both kind of like more modern, but now they're kind of classics. I don't know. Time is weird. Yeah, time's strange. So anyways, my classic holiday movie I picked is is Home Alone from 1990, directed by Chris Columbus and written by John Hughes. So it's, you know, if you haven't seen it, you're missing out. It's such a fun movie. And I'm just glad to like watch it again in the holiday spirit and then talk about it, nerd out about it, because it's also one of those movies I grew up watching a lot. And so like having the DVD and watching all the behind the scenes content and everything. So like all this is like in the back of my head and I'm ready to just spill all about it. So I'm excited about that. Um, Chandler stole my pick. Uh, so <laughs> I... <laughs> So I went with my uh, second favorite holiday movie, which is How the Grinch Stole Christmas from 2000, which does not seem, it does not seem possible that that's 23 years ago, almost 24 years ago. That makes me want to vomit. But this is the, um, this is the live action version starring Jim Carrey and directed by Ron Howard. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I some fun Christmas movies to talk about. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, in in the meantime, please like, follow, subscribe, all all the good things. Rate us on all the podcast platforms. You know, let us know ideas for movies because we we we're starting to build up our next year of movies because we've procrastinated about thinking about the new year. I think both of us have been like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New Year's so far away. And it's like, we're like three weeks yep. out from yep, the New Year. Yeah, month. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> we we got we to gotta get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's been uh, Resonant Reels. I've been Chandler. I've been Adam. And we'll see you next week. Adios. <laughs>